All right, he's super kind. Jeffrey, would you mind? Is the pulpit somewhere over there? Look at the man. Sold a million records, and he still gets the pulpit for people. You're awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Leibengood. And hopefully, uh, she's helped set the pace on uh, finishing the doctorate piece. And so, um, she's been a great role model. Man, it's great to be here Wednesday. Is it, is it like cloudy, foggy, smoky uh, in the room today? And um, I love it. I love the new team. These are a bunch of our new worship teams that are coming out. And uh, you guys just did a great job. All righty, we're going to be in Acts chapter 10 in just a second, but I need to invite one of my favorites, uh, Monica De Laurentiis. Pastor Monica, would you come up here real fast? Let's welcome Pastor Monica. Now, Pastor Monica and, and her uh, husband, uh, Pastor Chris De Laurentiis, went to North Central, graduated when? 91. 91, back in the, back in the 1900s. Yeah. yeah, that's where we're all from. So the dinosaur age. Anyway, um, they planted one of, I think, the greatest church. It's the second church I preached in when I became the president here um, at the inner city church uh, here about pff, 10 steps, it feels like, from this school right around the corner. And it's one of the great works um, I have been in in my life. And it is located in the heart of the city. Um, and really, our roots... By, because we are an urban university, we should be the very best urban uh, influencers in all the world need to come out of this university. And this couple came from here, walked literally to plant this church and have been there how many years? 26. 26. They're planting a brand new campus here in the city. And I want to flood it with leaders uh, that God would touch to help, to help them. It's, it's unbelievable what their main campus is doing and what they're about to do. And I said, Chris and Monica, you gotta come by. It's the beginning of the year. They've got a table out there, a way to connect, but I want you, I know we just had our church fair, but I have a special place in my heart for what they're doing, and I really wanna see NCU just engage like mad into our urban areas. And so tell us about what's about to happen and how we can get these students connected with this vision. Well, there's so much opportunity, and, uh, and God is doing so many great things in our ministry, but he's also doing great things here, and so uh, I feel that we're like the greatest secret if you all don't come over and do a part, but everyone can be involved. We're national home missionaries, and so we're planning this church on the north side at, in the worst possible area you can plant. So if you're in church planning, you need to come and see us. If you're in inner city, you need to come see us. If you're in education, you need to come see us because we, have, we need tutors. Our kids can't even read or write. We need people to come and help them, amen? Uh, if you have a pulse, you have a pulse? You need to come and see us. <laughs> we want you, amen? Um, we're so close. You don't have to wait till summer. You don't have to wait to uh, go do an internship to learn some of the most fundamental things about reaching hurting people. Um, it's right here in your backyard. You don't have to go overseas. It's right here in your backyard. Uh, we got to clean up our own backyard before we start cleaning up other people's backyards. Amen. And uh, um, you're in psychology. Come and see us. We got plenty of work. And that's just my leadership. <laughs> 
That's just my leadership. We haven't even began to talk about the people. <laughs> so anyway, I don't want to take a lot of time, but we have a table in the back. Uh, two of my best men, Dave and Chris, are back there. Uh, they can explain a lot more to you. There's a luncheon Saturday. If you're interested, they'll give you a tour. But please, just come back and check it out. Um, we want you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you. Pastor Chris, would you stand up as well? This is the husband. This is the team. NCU grads. They're unbelievable. They are national uh, leaders, friends. And if you've ever believed anything I've ever said, I want you to believe this. It's one of the greatest churches I've ever been to in my whole life is right here. And it is often the most overlooked because it's urban, it's inner city, it's working with uh, broken lives, which is what we're all about in this room. Even if, no matter what your major is, while you're at NCU, it's a perfect local church for you to connect with and get to know these folks and serve. So please go by the table out there, and I'm just praying that 10 or 20 phenomenal uh, leaders uh, that are just kind of sitting doing, maybe not doing nothing, not connected yet, it's, it's the beginning of the year, um, this would be your spot. This would be your place. It'll, it'll change the trajectory of your whole life. I'm telling you, it'll set you up for whatever you want to do, wherever God takes you. It will set you up uh, to be very successful in that future setting. So awesome. Is it, whose phone is this by chance? Is that yours? I just went through your text messages right there. It's awesome. Wow. All righty. A week, a week from tomorrow. Uh, we are doing something we've never done. We're combining our spiritual life days with a conference in-house for our student body, as well as probably probably about 100 plus people that'll be here. All of our, our cohorts that, that are academic partners around the country in Indianapolis, Miami, um, I'm, I'm Chicago. So we have academic partners that are around the country. Um, this event, they're all coming into town. So it'll be about 25 to 30 leaders from our academic partners with NCU, our different uh, extension, or not extensions, but our different online cohorts that work with interns and different uh, ministries around the country. They're coming, as well as um, some local area pastors and youth pastors are gonna, we're gonna wedge them into the campus here next Thursday and Friday. Now, when I tell you who's coming to this school, um, for those of you that do not know who this is, um, first of all, a week from today, next Wednesday, our chancellor, Rich Wilkerson, one of the great uh, voices of my generation is speaking. And then a week from tomorrow, the official launch of the conference is, it's called the Now and the Next. Reggie Dabbs is gonna be here on Thursday and Friday next week. And so the conference is called the Now and the Next, and it's up here on the screen. If you could do the next slide, if you will. Here's how this works. Here's how we're going to try to do this and integrate it with our campuses. we got lots of phenomenal speakers in-house on human sexuality and the church, sexual formation, uh, the different streams of worship. Next slide, if you will. Um, we've got uh, some in-house talent that's going to be speaking in the breakouts, Ellington and Jeff. Next slide, if you will. That's just too good looking for me. Up, That's unbelievable. Um, we have on spiritual formation breakout with uh, Dr. Sikorsky, Dr. Graham, but we also have um, spiritual formation, effective communication with some of the best speakers in the country. Kwame Anku, uh, um, who was one of the mentors and best friends of Prince before he passed 
passed away. Um, Kwame spoke here last year. He heads up um, uh, the national, it's called the Black Star Fund. It's a venture capital. He graduated from uh, Stanford, one of the top business thinkers, I think, in the nation. Kwame's a board member here at the university. He's one of the great communicators you've ever heard in your life. Uh, Eric Samuel Tim is one of the best speakers and artists. Um, Jeff Grinnell, I know he's in-house, but the guy speaks all over this planet uh, for the kingdom. There's going to be breakouts there. Next slide, if you will. Um, we also have, there's Reggie Dabs, Jeff, and um, we're going to be doing stuff for pastors with on leadership with myself and Dr. Tennyson and Dr. Sean Sovey right there. Look at him right there. Beautiful, beautiful. Next slide, if you will. I think that's it. Uh, again, breakouts with Vinny, Reggie. Next slide, if you will. Wade Goodall is one of the great um, um, leaders in this country when it talks about leadership health over a lifetime. He ministers to thousands of pastors around the country on leadership health. And of course, the Wilkerson's are second to none. They're going to be talking about how to lead a city. Uh, they're in Miami. Their son, Rich Jr., between Trinity Church and Vu Church, there's probably eleven or 12,000 people uh, that attend those phenomenal ministries. And of course, uh, we got the Zarns here on how to reach the non-religious. His breakout session is how to get as close to your wife as possible on a photo. <laughs> Phil, what's up with that? I'm loving that. Of course, Eric Samuel, Tim. Next one, if you will. I think that's it. Is there any more slides? So here's the way this works. It's basically keynote sessions, and then there's some breakouts. It starts with chapel uh, next week. And here's the way this works. The College of Church Leadership and the College of Fine Arts um, is part a, a big part of this. So their classes have been uh, with like are integrated into the breakouts in the general session. Now listen, all of the students here, faculty and staff, there's no cost for you to be a part of this. Um, so there's going to be general sessions and there's going to be breakout sessions next Thursday and Friday, and then there's going to be two night events. You get an excused absence, even if you're not part of of COFA uh, or the College of Church Leadership. If you're part of some of the other colleges. You can have an excused absence <clears throat> to attend. Now, we are going to take attendance, and it's not like you get an excused absence to go to the Twins game. That's not what this is about. you got to participate in the breakouts and in the sessions with these speakers. But it is going to be, the whole thing is the now and the next. It's really on how to pursue excellence, chase and capture excellence in the now. And then what's this all going to look like 20 years from now? What's this all going to look like when you guys are hitting your 40s? Your 30s. Is that depressing for you to think about that? Yeah. You'll be shocked at how fast 20 years goes by once you hit 20. Um, so you don't remember the day you're born. So the first 20, it's all vague. Trust me, 20 to 40, <laughs> you'll, you'll get it here shortly. It goes by fast. What's it going to look like in the future? So the now and the next is uh, really a cadre of national and local thinkers, writers, and speakers who are adept at looking at the future. And so the way the breakouts are, are designed, the way that we are is to, what's excellence look like today? I mean, how do we do this with excellence? And then also, what's the future? What's the next look like for the church in America, both rural, urban, inner city? Uh, how are we gonna do this? What, what's it look like? And so this conference with Reggie, Kwame, Eric, the Wilkerson's, Wade Goodall, our in-house experts, 
it's really going to be a spectacular event. So next Thursday and Friday, what you do is there's no cost. Uh, you get excused absence. And then in the nighttime on Thursday night, uh, Eric Samuel Tim is the speaker next Thursday night. Uh, you get a chapel credit for being here. Um, and again, we're taking attendance uh, or sign in your name. It's not like slash and dash or whatever Dr. Graham has framed that. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, but I would not, if I, if I knew Eric Samuel Tim was speaking anywhere near this building, uh, I would be here. So you'll get a chance to get a taste of that. But it's Thursday night. And then Friday night, we have one last final event that will happen on Friday night with Rich Wilkerson. But Thursday night, we have a huge block party, big nacho bar DJ. We're closing off Elliot. It's open to the whole school. There's no cost. Uh, but we want you... Uh, uh, we want you to come and be a part of the Thursday night with Eric Samuel Tim. Then we'll hit the block party out there uh, on Elliott. It'll be a lot of fun. So, um, CC Nell College of Fine Arts, you're part of the whole thing. Uh, but the whole campus is invited. Um, you just gotta uh, you get an excuse absence and a chapel credit for being here. But you know it's just going to be spectacular. You won't have a chance to be around speakers like this very often in your life that are in one setting over a 48-hour period. So staff, faculty, students, um, keep that on your radar. It all kicks next week. Let's go to Acts chapter 10 if if we can. I want to talk to you about a, a powerful connection that happened between two people from two different streams of ethnicity and culture, and somehow the kingdom found a way to, to build this conduit of connection. Um, I have four kids. I may have told this story two years ago, but there's a whole new group of students here. Um, four kids. Jocelyn's my oldest. Then there's Tyler, Kramer, and Spencer. I had three boys uh, after my oldest being a daughter. And I have practiced something growing when they were growing up Karen was kind of the morning mom. She loved to get up at 5.30. My wife's a very early riser. She was dialed in, man, breakfast, and she created the morning culture. And then I was nighttime dad, man. I was, I was WrestleMania dad on the floor, uh, the whole thing. I loved every, every moment of that thing as a dad. Baths, I gave the baths. We did the wrestle, snapped them with towels. We just had a blast growing up. And one thing I did every night is I put my kids to bed. It was about an hour and a half experience. I would go lay individually on each bed and I would talk with the kids, pray with the kids, tickle them, giggle, wrestle, make tents, do all kinds of stuff. But I, that was my individual time with each of my kids growing up every night. If you ask my kids, they said, I can't remember a night dad did not put us to bed. So mom was kind of morning, I was kind of night. That was kind of our rhythm in our house. And it worked for us. So I would lay there next to Jocelyn, my little girl. We would read stories and pray and talk and giggle. And I would go lay next to Tyler and then lay. Uh, Kramer and Spencer were the closest, the two youngest. They had bunk beds. So Spencer was on the bottom. He's a little tiny little dude, you know, real bony little guy, uh, two and three. And um, then Kramer was kind of thick. Called him Thunder Thighs, you know, when he was born. Um, he just had a different bone structure than Spencer. And so Kramer was on the top bunk and we were doing this. They're probably three, four, five, six, seven. And it just kept going up a year. And one, one night I'm laying in the top bunk with Kramer and he's, he's probably four years old and he starts crying and he says, he goes, daddy, he goes, I'm not, I'm not. A... I said, son, what's wrong? He goes, daddy, I'm not Bethel. You're not what? He goes, Bethel. I want 
You're not special? Huh? Who told you that? I'm not Spickle. Spickle or Spethel? What? He goes, I go, what do you mean? Said he goes, well, Jocelyn, she's the only girl. She's Spickle because she's a girl. And then Tyler, he's the first boy. He's Spickle because he's the first boy. And, 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 and Buggy, Buggy, that's his little brother, Buggy, he's Bethel because he's the youngest. And he said, there's nothing speckle about me. I was crushed. I mean, are we having this conversation? Some believe we had beagle, elephant, tears, and not speckle. He's not the girl, only girl. He's not the oldest boy or the youngest boy. He's kind of caught in the middle. Just kind of, he thought he was in no man's land. Like he's forgotten in this, in this middle earth space of being a third child. I'm saying, Lord, what do I say to my kid? He, you're very fickle. Graham? <laughs> I'm laying there letting go, Kramer! He goes, what? Graham! Get under the covers quick. I got to tell you something. We made a little tent. I said, son, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Aunt Karen, I mean, Aunt Terry, my oldest sister, she's born first, right? I said, then who came next? He goes, hey, uh, Uncle Doug. I said, yeah, Uncle Doug is next. And then I said, where's Aunt Jill? He goes, he's the youngest. I said, Crane. What's that make me? He goes, he goes to me, you're a three. I go, what are you? He goes, I'm a three. <laughs> We're threes. flashlight I put up under the tent I said let's do three <laughs> I'll never forget being under that blanket doing threes I said man the clatter's not a three Jocelyn's not a three Spence's not a three you're a three I'm a three we're the only threes mom's a two we're threes, bro, you and me. From that point on, man, we did this every day for years. See each other. In sixth grade, we're touching threes. Seventh grade, we're throwing threes. He was a great athlete, gets into... His ninth grade year, he's a star basketball player at Granville High School. He's bombing the ball, just could launch like his dad. And so, <laughs> and every time he would drain one up court, going up, we'd make eye contact, man, we'd make eye contact. I did that with my dad, it was weird. When I played sports, every time I hit a shot, going like, I catch my dad's eye, catch his eye. And so Kramer and I start doing this, and he was dropping dimes all over the court, man. He's ninth, ninth grade. He's hitting threes everywhere. 
and he's dropping. And somewhere in there, we started, like he would hit a jumper, and instead of eye contact, he would do this next to his, next to his leg. Oh, true story, like that. Throw a touchdown pass. He would throw it, look up in the stands. He'd kind of run up the field with these three fingers out. And of course, I would do it back to him. He would hit a three. He'd make eye contact. I would just go boom, 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 threes, bro. <laughs> We're doing this. He's dropping dimes against Jenison High School in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Like this, boom, boom. We're, we're playing in their gym and we're just smoking them. And they're all mad. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited. All of a sudden, four police officers surround me. Four cops come and they get around me and they sit by me. These police officers, two guys standing there like this. I'm going, I'm the pastor of a church of 5,000 people. <laughs> Grand Rapids First Assembly. These cops are all around me. And I said, sir, officer, what's, they said, can we talk to you? I said, what? He says, we uh, um, want to know why you're flashing gang signs. <laughs> why I'm doing what? He goes, are you flashing gang signs across the gym, gang signs? No, 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 no. Number 24, he was four years old. He wasn't spickle. He, was, he wasn't spethel. And we were under a tent, and, and he was, and I'm trying to explain to him my four-year-old is he's, he's, you know, Jocelyn, she was the oldest girl. Then they had Tyler, he's the oldest boy. Then he had Spencer, and he was, and they're looking at me. I said, no, that's our connection. We was four years old, and we, I'm a three. He's a three. My oldest sister, Terry, my younger brother, Doug, Jill, we're both threes. It made him feel special. It's our connection. And they're looking at me like, we're going to arrest you just for disorderly stupidity. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> True story, almost got busted for throwing a three to my little boy. You ever meet Kramer? Just do this to him. He'll know exactly what's going down. Sometimes our connections, our connections are misunderstood. Nobody can really understand the origin of the relationship. God did something unique to connect my boy and myself. Now, this is going to be a two-parter because we're about out of time. There's a story of a man named Cornelius who was a military man that was a leader of a Roman cohort. He wasn't the first Gentile to be saved. The story of the eunuch uh, that was saved under Philip's ministry, but this is a precedent-setting conversion. Him being a royal of, uh, 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 or a leader of a military Roman cohort was different. He was this Gentile that was about to come into the kingdom, but not through ethnic conversion into Judaism, bypassing really the ethnic demand because everything was lensed through heritage. Everything was lensed through bloodline. Everything was lensed through history. And they had a hard time disentangling the kingdom from their ethnicity. We have the same difficulty today. Patriotism, heritage, all the stuff we've gone through in our different lineage. That's why Ancestry.com is so uh, important to people's psyche because they're trying to figure out where they came from because they're groping for meaning. And so... This man named Cornelius has, I just got to cut to the chase here. This man named Cornelius, he lived in a, um, in Caesarea, lived 
led a Roman army, uh, an officer named Cornelius, who was the captain of an Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man. He, uh, as everyone in his house was, he gave generously to the poor. He prayed regularly to God. Um, One afternoon at three o'clock, which was a normal window of prayer, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him, speaking his name, Cornelius, like Moses hearing his name out of the bush. Sometimes the Lord speaks in visionary language, but we can't, it's blurry. It's fuzzy, and we can't tell, is that a no or a yes? Yo, yes, yes or yo? Like, we're just trying to figure out yes, no. And here the Lord calls him by his name, through the angel. Cornelius uh, stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send those some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Tanner, or Simon Peter, excuse me. He is staying. My contact is floating through my eye right now, and I feel like I'm reading in an aquarium. I really am not. Like, can this guy read? I can't see my Bible. So help me. I mean, anybody wear contacts? You know what I'm talking about? It's like I'm, I'm looking through water right now. And the answer would be, get a bigger Bible, dude. <laughs> so holding on to your youth here, okay. <laughs> he is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. Now, stay with me real quick. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a, and a devout soldier, and the three of them, uh, one of his personal attendants, he told them uh, that, what had happened, and he sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, not the normal time of prayer. Some used this food preparation time to pray. Peter was a spiritual guy, and he used this time while they were preparing food to go spend some time in either rest or prayer. And he's up on the roof about noon. He was hungry, but while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. This isn't a sleep trance. This isn't a, mid, a midnight vision. It's a midday. He fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord. Now, it's interesting that Peter says, no, Lord. Now, I can tell you no, And you can tell me no, but to look at Jesus and say, no, Lord, takes an enormous amount of guts or something. Peter denied Christ three times at the campfire. Now he denies him three more times at this vision moment. We'll get our piano player to come join me up here or whatever, the worship team, if you guys want to come. No, Lord. Um, And he says it, and about that time, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared as impure and unclean. Now, Peter knew that a Gentile could be saved, but he still viewed them and their dietary ways as unclean. 
So the healing here isn't the fact that a Gentile could find the Lord, even though it's still prophetic and it's not clear yet to Peter what's unfolding. Um, he just sees these people as unclean. There is a difference about them, which is really a separation. And so here Peter, he wrestles with the Lord. He has this conversation and he sounds noble. I've never eaten anything unclean. I've been a devout proselyte of Judaism. Even though I'm a Christ follower, I have adopted my heritage. And my heritage clearly at this point is more powerful than the invitation by Christ into something different. Now watch this. He's clothed in his raciality in this moment here. I am a Jew. I don't do this. No, Lord, no, Lord, no, Lord. It's a, it's a stunning conversation. And it's revelatory to human nature and to the nature of religion. And the power of it, the social condition, the grip of this goes very deep, very, very deep in all of us. I just want to get to this one point. No, Lord, Peter said, I've never eaten anything clean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was perplexed. He, he, what could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house, standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon, Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, these men have come looking for you. Go up go and go downstairs. Get up and go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I've sent them to you. So Peter went down and said, I am the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we're sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. And they arrived at the house. We'll pick this up. Here's my point today. Very simple. Is that the Lord doesn't start in the church. Okay, he doesn't start in the church. He starts in the person. Now watch this. The Lord wanted to break the church out of its restriction and give them a brand new dimension of what the kingdom's all about. So he was pairing these two visions together. This vision given to this Roman guy the day before. And then as they approach his house, the timing of, of God's sovereign release of the other vision to pair it with, with what God was doing in Peter's life happened because God wanted ultimately for this to permeate the entire church. I spent most of my young life pointing the finger at the church, just pointing the finger at older people. I can't believe the stupid things I said to older people in, when I was a zealous young Christian. I said disrespectful things. I went to the microphone and made fun of older people in business meetings, not directly, but indirectly, just besmirching their perspective. That's changed a lot over time because I, I thought the problem was the church or the church wasn't moving or the organization wasn't moving. But I came to realize that the Lord first comes looking for me. Now this may feel unrelated. I was talking to my man 
Cole last night. We went to see the Twins play. He won free tickets, and we had a great time last night at the Twins game. He could bring two of his closest friends. He brought two close friends, which tells me that most of you are not Cole's close friend because you weren't there. So you can deal with Cole on that. But now watch this. I was telling Cole, we believe in you. Do you understand that a university is not successful unless you graduate? Our graduation rates matter deeply to the faculty, the administrators, the staff, because it's what gives us health and ranking and stature as a university. So if somebody um, gets on you and holds you accountable for school, for behavior, for grades, like they're just against me, you're trying to kick me out of here. No, we're not. We need you here. We're not trying to get rid of one kid from this school. We love every, we need you for our success. We need you to be successful. Do you understand that? But we also have to protect the integrity of higher education, the integrity of the message and the mantle on this school as a on fire Christian university with, with top academics. So when, when you're held accountable for your life, nobody's against you. Nobody's fighting you. Nobody's trying to dismiss you. I used to think the world was against me when I was young because I saw all these flaws in the church. Then something shifted in my life the way it did in Peter. I realized that the Lord was first looking for me. He had to find me before he could find the church. And the change was happening at the individual level in Peter's life to Cornelius. So we'll break this down some more in the future before he could change the whole. So as God is knocking on your heart, as you're into this school year, as you're discovering your weaknesses, your talents, your resiliency, your energy levels in your life, understand that people are cheering you on, rooting for you to succeed, because we understand what that transformed heart and transformed mind could mean to this world. Not just you as a person, but you reaching your absolute potential. So the Lord was after Peter's potential on that rooftop. Let's stand together. We got to end right here. I, I preached too long. We'll go more, more into this in some of the upcoming Wednesdays here. I'm going to tell you straight up. I know it's block scheduling. How many like Wednesdays? No school. Let me see your hands. Woo! I can't believe you come to chapel on Wednesdays. I'm so blessed and so impressed that you are here. What we're gonna do is this. We're gonna enter into a time of prayer on Wednesdays. I know you don't have to get to class. Some of you might have to get to a job. But if you could, for the first time in your life, maybe stick around for a few minutes and pray and seek the Lord. Just walk around, sit around, come and kneel. There'll be some of the faculty and staff that hang out during our prayer and fasting time here at lunch. But this room is open for you. Take full advantage of it. and. Uh, and uh, God has big stuff in store. Please keep next week in your heart big. It's going to be a transformation week here at North Central University. These altars are open. Prayer time's open. We love you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus.